Alton Paris was, was my pastor from the time I was nine until I was 22, so 13 years. Uh, he was the pastor of our church and my pastor. He's been my, my spiritual father for the last 44 years. And I, I remember uh, when he came to our church, uh, just it was the first time that I had heard the gospel preached. Uh, of course, I, I was young. I was nine. So may, maybe there had been other people that had preached the gospel at our church, but I just never had paid attention much. But I, I knew right away uh, that he was different. Uh, I remember as a 16-year-old, you know, our church had a, had a horseshoe-shaped balcony, and uh, I can remember... I sat right up there, I was about 16, maybe 17, and he preached a sermon called The Stranger Inside. And it was a, basically a sermon about demonization and deliverance. And, and I was a huge fan back in those days of the Twilight Zone. And that was the closest to the Twilight Zone we'd ever gotten on Sunday morning. And, and I just remember sitting up and, and listening to his sermon with great interest, maybe for the first time in my life. I, and I thought to myself, man, if, if, if church could be more like the twilight zone every Sunday, I would probably be more, you know, focused. Uh, I wasn't a believer at that point. Uh, he led me to Jesus when I was 18 years old. I, I remember him asking me, we sat in his office late on a Sunday night and he said, do you believe that there was any time at any point in your life? Were you a Christian? I said, no. And he said, do you want to be? And I said, I think I do. And he led me uh, that night uh, into a relationship with Jesus. Uh, shortly after that, I think I'd been a Christian for maybe a year. And I was sitting right over here about where Bowie is. So, uh, second row, middle of the, uh, middle of the row. And... Uh, he preached the first sermon I had ever heard on how to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And when he opened the altar that morning, I'm pretty sure I ran to the altar. Uh, but my, my clearest memory, uh, I was sitting about where you are, Steve, and uh, it was Sunday morning, fourth row back. Uh, so maybe actually where you are, uh, He preached a sermon called Hind's Feet to High Places. Hind's Feet to High Places. Felix. <laughs> it took me a minute. <laughs> Sorry. So, Felix, I was actually sitting where you are. And uh, I remember that morning, uh, he stood up. And, and at that, you know, I, I've been a Christian for maybe 18 months, 19 months, maybe. And I'm just figuring this thing out. And uh, he stands up and reads the scripture. And if you don't know that phrase, he makes my feet like hinds feet and sets me on the high places. It's in the Bible exactly like that in three different places. And he read the first one. And I thought, that's an interesting scripture. Never heard that. And then he read the second one. And I thought, Wow, I didn't know there was stuff in there twice. And then he read the third one, and my mind was blown. I'm like, oh my gosh, if, if God says something three times, 
it must really be important. This is going to be huge. And I remember just sliding up on the front of my seat, and I hung that morning on every word he said. And for the rest of my life, I have chased that sermon. Uh, he makes my feet like hinds feet. For the rest of my life, I, I have chased after God, believing that there's a life with God that tracks after him. A life where I only step where he steps. I only go where he takes me. Um, Alton passed away Tuesday, uh, this past week. He was 98 years old. And uh, I, I can say, without hesitation, best man I've ever known by far. I have for the last 30 years stood in front of people like yourself and said, uh, every generation needs to be better than the one before. I don't see how it's possible for him, with him. I, I can't even come close to who he was. So we'll, listen, I'll be leaving today uh, to drive to Alabama for his funeral tomorrow. And uh, all of the people who came to the, uh, went into full-time ministry under his uh, leadership have been invited to be uh, honorary pallbearers. And I don't know how the room will hold even those people, uh, much less everyone else that wants to come. Uh, but I just encourage you to pray for, uh, pray for us as we go. Pray for his family. Uh, his, uh, he has two sons and a daughter who are strong believers, love Jesus with everything they have. And uh, one of his sons is a pastor, and he'll be uh, preaching the funeral. Uh, his daughter and her husband are full-time missionaries, and, and uh, so his son-in-law will be helping as well. And, uh, and then the room will be filled with people who said yes to Jesus. And I'll be one of them. So, all right. Let's see if we can do this. Um, I'm gonna read from Matthew 17, beginning uh, at verse one. After six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, the brother of James, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. There he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. Just then there appeared before them Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it's good for us to be here. If you wish, I will put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, a bright cloud covered them, and a voice from the cloud said, this is my son, whom I love. With him, I'm well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell face down to the ground, terrified. But Jesus came and touched them. Get up, he said. Don't be afraid. When they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus. 
Lord, I pray that you would speak to us today. I, I know, as always, there are things that you want to say. There, there are things that you want to speak to us, things that you want to do in us. And so I, I pray, God, that you would find us open to you today. Give us ears to hear, hearts that are open to what you want to do. And, and Lord, I pray even uh, that you would open our eyes and allow us to see you today. In Jesus' name, amen. So Jesus takes uh, Peter, James, and John up on this mountain to pray, and, and they have this encounter where the glory of the Lord just, just falls on Jesus. And, and they see Jesus, they catch glimpses of him like this from time to time. Once when they were fishing, it happens, and, and here again it happens. And, and, and they don't quite know what to do with it, and, and they fall down, and then when they look up, they see there Moses, Moses and Elijah are here. And it's amazing. It's an unbelievable experience. And, and the three of them are surrounded by the glory of God. And what I want to talk about today is the fact that sometimes to get to the glory, you have to go through the desert. Sometimes to get to the glory, you have to go through the desert. If you read through the scriptures and you read the life of Jesus and you read the life of Moses and you read the life of Elijah, you'll see that they have a lot of things in common. But one of the things that they share in common is that they all had time in the desert. Now, some, some deserts are self-imposed. Sometimes we, just, we do things that, that result in us being put in the desert or we go to the desert on our own, but other deserts are God-ordained. Yeah. Elijah had both. Elijah had both. If you read the story of his life, and the first time we meet him, he is delivering a word from the Lord to King Ahab. And it, it's not a popular word. It's not a word that Ahab wants to hear. But Elijah comes and he says, it's not going to rain. And it's not going to rain for a really long time. And, and Ahab is, is not happy with this this message, because he, he's the king of a kingdom that depends on the rain in order to flourish, in order to really to survive. And Elijah brings this word, and, and Ahab is not happy. And were it not for God, Elijah may have just perished right there in the palace. But God says, go hide. God actually tells Elijah to go hide, and, and he hides in a place that is isolated and barren. And the only food that he has in that place is food that he's brought by the ravens. Not quite as upscale as Uber. Ravens are bringing him food. He has a brook that supplies water until it dries up. And then he's in this isolated, barren place that's fruitless. And yet, he is exactly where God wants him to be. Barren, isolated, dried up, and fruitless. But it's where God put him. It's where God told him to go. Now, three years later, he has his greatest victory. He stands on a mountain at Mount Carmel, and he challenges the prophets of Baal, and he calls down fire from heaven. Now, I don't know if you guys are into superpowers or not, but if I was going to have a superpower, 
Calling down fire from heaven would not be a bad choice, right? Elijah calls down fire from heaven, and, and Queen Jezebel is not happy with this victory that Elijah has against her prophets. And she utters death threats against Elijah. And he is so frightened by her that he runs to the wilderness to hide. And as he's running, he turns to his servant and tells his servant to stay. And then he continues on further and further, 40 days to hide in a cave. And God comes to him and says, what are you doing here? Now think about this. Put it in Elijah's perspective. So the first time he ran into trouble with the king, God said, go hide. And so he did. Now, three years later, he's in trouble with the wife, the queen. And maybe he just thought, well, last time God told me to go hide, I better go do that again. One of the things we learn from Elijah is that just because you did it once doesn't mean you have to do it again. That actually the first time it was right because and only because God told him to do it. And the second time he took matters into his own hand and he ran. And the truth is you can wind up in an isolated, barren place because you have followed God and because you've run from him. There are deserts. There are places of wilderness in our lives. Some of them self-imposed. Some of them God-led. Elijah experienced a desert as a result of obeying God and another wilderness place as a result of running from God's will. And the thing that we need to remember is that both times, both times, God met him in that place. When he went there under God's instruction, and when he went there out of his own fear, God met him in that place. The way out of the desert will be different. The way out is different when God leads you there versus when you go into a self-imposed desert. But whether your wilderness is God-led or self-imposed, God will meet you in that place and he will change you. He will change you. The desert is a place where our hearts are discovered. A place where our hearts are discovered. The Israelites, when they left Egypt... They looked holy. They really did. When they left Egypt, they looked holy. Think about it. We're free. We're chosen by God. We're marked by the blood of the Passover. What could be better? I mean, seas are parting for us, and we're walking across on dry land. And in just a short amount of time, these same people are just a bunch of whiners. Whining, complaining, murmuring, and even saying to Moses, we never should have left Egypt. Why did you do this? You brought us out here to die. 
In the desert, their true heart was uncovered. The heat of the desert will reveal the true nature of our heart. Without difficulty, we will not discover the flaws in our character. And, And believe it or not, we all have flaws in our character. The desert is a purifying place. Secondly, the desert is a place of greatest growth. It's the place of greatest growth. Well, how how can you say that? How can the desert be the place of greatest growth? There's no water there. It's just hot and it's dry. It's barren. I would say that the desert is the place of greatest growth because it is the place where God captures our attention. C.S. Lewis said it this way. God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks to us in our consciences, but shouts in our pain. He shouts in our pain. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. Third, the desert prepares us for greatest blessing. Now, Moses, first time we find Moses in the wilderness, uh, he's tending his father-in-law's flock on the far side of a wilderness area, and he encounters the Lord in a burning bush. He sees this bush is burning, but it's not burning up. And and he's intrigued by it, and he goes to check it out, and, and God speaks to him in that moment, and God says, I have seen the hardship of my people, and I'm going to use you to bring them relief. And Moses says, who am I? Moses asked two questions that day, and and they're questions that, that we all need to ask. Moses has this supernatural encounter with God in a burning bush, and he has two questions that he wants to know the answer to. And there are two questions that you and I desperately need the answer to. The first question he asks, who am I? Who am I? And you know what God's answer is? I am with you. I am with you. In other words, it doesn't matter who you are if I'm with you. You know what his second question was? Who are you? (laughs) Who are you? He says, what if I go and I tell them what you've told me to tell them? And they say, who, who, shall, we, who, shall, you know, who, who shall I say sent me? And the Lord says, I am who I am. He really has a way of answering questions. <laughs> but the truth is, for all of us, we need to know those two things. We need to know who am I, who are you? Because no matter your situation, you need those two things. You need to know who you are. You need to know who he is. And I can promise you, you'll never know who you are until you know who he is. When Jesus has his mountaintop experience with Elijah and Moses, God speaks and he tells them who Jesus is. He says, this is my son. I love him. Listen to him. The desert prepares us 
the greatest blessing. The desert is the place where we best discover who we are and who he is. And so in the desert place, when you are in that place of wilderness, look for God. Look for God. Because I promise you, he's there. He is there. He sees you. He is with you. He has promised you. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. When you're in the difficult place, when you feel the hurt, when you feel the pain, when you feel abandoned, when it seems like God is infinity away, look for him. Because he is there. He is with you. Moses saw the bush burning and he went to see what was happening and he met God there. He met God in that place. Now, when you are in the place of pain, you can focus on the pain or you can focus on the purpose, but you can't do both. So you have to choose. Now, hear me. You can feel the pain while you focus on the purpose. You just can't focus on the pain and focus on the purpose. You just can't. You can feel the pain. Your pain is real. Your hurt is real. You're not imagining things. But your focus has to be shifted. Our focus has to be shifted from our pain to his purpose if we want to come out. Look for God. Secondly, listen for God. The Lord tells Moses, I'm, I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. In other words, I, I've been your God all along. I was your God before you were even born. I was your God before you were thought of. I was your father's God and your father's father and your father's father's father. Listen for God. And then third, trust God's plan and God's heart. God says to Moses, I have come to rescue my people. I have come to rescue my people. Desert places can be difficult. Desert places can be painful. But pain, painful things produce some incredibly beautiful things. There's no birth without labor. And the excruciating pain of the cross gave birth to a new covenant that opens the door for all of us to live forever. None of us, none of us would want to go back and undo what was done on the cross, no matter how excruciating, no matter how painful it was for Jesus. We recognize that in that pain came the greatest experience of life ever. The scripture says that the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in us. Lives in us. Luke 4 tells us that Jesus was full of the spirit 
and full of the Spirit, he was led into the wilderness. Led into the wilderness by the Spirit. And there he was tested and tempted for 40 days by the devil. And in that place of temptation, his source was the Spirit of God in him. And his weapon, his weapon was the Word of God. The Word of God. How do you use the source? You trust him. You follow him. How do you use the weapon? You believe it and you do it. You believe it and you do it. When you go into the difficult place and people mistreat you and people betray you and you read where the word of the Lord says, love your enemies, bless those that curse you. If you want to be forgiven, forgive. You, you read it and you believe it. Do you have to feel it before you believe it? No. Do you have to feel it before you do it? No. You believe it and you do it. It's your weapon. And guess what? It's the only one you get. It's the only weapon that you get. You can't use anger. You can't use revenge. You can't use gossip. The only weapon that God gives you is his word. And he says, read it, believe it, and do it. God is for you. And sometimes in order to accomplish his best in and for you, he will lead you into the wilderness. Other times, because of our sin and our weaknesses, we will wander into the wilderness on our own. And, and sometimes we will actually run there on purpose. But regardless of how you get there, God will meet you there. He will come looking for you. He will come looking for you. He may say, what are you doing here? But if you will look for him, if you will listen to him, and you will trust him, he will use the wilderness place to make you better. Now, let's pray. Lord, we trust you. We do. And we know that you're with us. And we confess to you that sometimes we don't feel it. Sometimes we feel like we're alone. Sometimes we feel like Elijah where we just want to run and hide in a cave. But we, we acknowledge the truth of your word today. You are with us. You will never leave us. You will never forsake us. And we hear you today speak over us just as you spoke over your son. This is my child. I love them. They please me.
Help us to walk in that. Because, Lord, that's enough. It's enough. In Jesus' name.